He's got a beautiful back swing. That's oh, he got all of that one. Oh my gosh, that is amazing. Lay up with an iron into the hazard. Well, that wasn't quite what I meant, you know. What is good, everybody? Welcome into the 73rd Hole Podcast, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. Sam Humphreys, Jim Woodward, Taylor Williams with you as always. And before we get started today, I do want to let all of our listeners, especially in the Oklahoma City area, know that our 73rd Hole radio show is coming back this Sunday. Yes, that's Super Bowl Sunday, and this year we are on for two hours, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. noon, and so it's going to be awesome. We're going to have great guests. We're going to be live. You can call in. You can text in. It's going to be very interactive, a great time, just like last year, but we're doing from the waste management until the Ryder Cup, so definitely tune into that, and you can also get it on the Sports Animal app or the Sports Animal Dot com guys, but we did have some great tournaments and T Dub. I, I think we have to start with the big story. Our own Sooner from the Sooner State, or at least played his college golf in the Sooner State. Abe Answer winning the Saudi International. Abe Answer right now. What did what did you say before the show that he is ranked in the world now, T Dub? Uh up to twenty sixth now after that win. Twenty sixth in the world, and obviously is not getting any world ranking points for the tournaments that he plays on live, but he has been one of the most consistent players. You know, when he was on the PGA Tour, he's one of the most consistent players on tour. Now he's one of the more consistent players on the live tour. And T-Dub, Abe Answer goes out at Royal Greens Golf and Country Club and wins by two shots over the PGA Tour's Cam Young at night under he shoots 63 in the first round follows it up with a 66 a 64 and a 68 that's a nice little 261 there for Abe answer but I think we got to give Abe answer some damn credit because yes I do want to get to Justin Rose and it is a great story but the fact that last year we're awarding the winner of the Saudi International 50 official world golf ranking points and this year it's just 27 and a half official world golf ranking points it doesn't seem very fair to me considering it was the better tournament of last week which is why we're starting with it T-Dub I do not have any bias in this live or PGA Tour argument. I just want the best tournament each week to get the credit it deserves, and I don't feel like that's the case right now. Well, it's just it's another consequence of the OWGR changing their system because I believe they implemented the change back in July or June or somewhere of last week. So the, the Saudi event last year would have had the old point structure, which would have been more, ve- more relevant when it comes to really top strength of field. So all the big names that played, over there, the Abe Answers, the Joaquin Neemans, the, uh, even the Cameron Smiths and the Phil Mickelsons who missed the cut would, would have gave that field a little bit more ranking. But because they go off of everything, now the bottom end of the field just wasn't ranked as high as, say, even even Pebble was. But uh, but as we as we did on our Instagram uh, post last week, we, we asked everyone who, which was a better field, and uh, a majority of people said that the Saudi field was a better one. And I think that was the case, Woody. I, I just think the problem is is that and it's, it's kind of a consequence of, of doing a more global tour is that I didn't really get to see a whole lot of the shots, especially live, because of it just being uh, across the pond as, as it was and being over in the Middle East. So it's 
and, and being with the times and everything. And obviously, I couldn't go to the Golf Channel to watch. I had to go to GolfChannel.com or I had to go to YouTube to watch highlights. So I feel like that's just a consequence of maybe going to more global tours that there may be some events where you just can't see everyone eye to eye as much as you want. That will definitely be a problem. But we got to realize that Abe Answer, that was a really, really good win. That was wire to wire. I mean, 261, as Sam said, that was some golfing of your ball. Now, I would have loved to see DJ. I hated to see him after withdrawal. And I hope I hope he doesn't have issues that are going to bother him all year long. But he went mana to mana against Cam Young. And I think that's another reason why it was across the pond, as you call it, other side of the world. We didn't really get to see the better of the two golf tournaments. Uh, Pebble Beach. I am worried it's fun to watch. The weather was so horrendously bad. They had delays and everything else. So we missed the best golf tournament. And kudos to Abe Answer. Yeah, big kudos to Abe Answer, guys. And TW, you bring up a great point that, yes, the tournament was in the middle of the night uh, for us here in Oklahoma. But it would have been nice to have a little bit better coverage of the best tournament of the weekend. Over the past four days, or at least the the four days of the Saudi International and the Pebble Beach Pro-Am, the Golf Channel on Twitter, guys, they have four tweets with football players. They have four tweets with actors. They have one tweet with a swimmer. They have one tweet with a singer. They have one tweet even with a rapper and zero tweets about Abe Answer. And they want to talk about growing the game, guys. And I want to have this debate. Now, to me, I think that number one, to grow the game, you have to promote the people in your game first and then bring in other celebrities. I feel like, to me, the the Golf Channel, for instance, I'm just using them as an example this week, and I know it's the Pebble Beach Pro-Am, but to me, you have to promote the people that are doing successful things in your sport first and to me guys it's almost like the golf channel is promoting all these other sports first and using that giant platform to promote the football or or the acting or the swimming It, it it just doesn't make sense to me to me if you want golf to be you know, one of the biggest sports in the world, which they've done a solid job of, but it it seems like it's going downhill ever since everybody started arguing with each other. Do you agree with me or disagree with me, T-Dub? I just feel like at least one tweet from the freaking Golf Channel about Abe Answer winning the Saudi International isn't that hard to do, and it really probably isn't going to piss that many people off. Just let people know that Abe Answer's playing great golf. Well, I, I do agree with, with almost everything that you're saying, and Sam. And, and I'll say this. I don't really have that much of a problem with the Golf Channel tweeting out stuff like that because they're, they're trying to show just how other people who aren't really in golf or people who wouldn't think are in golf actually love it. And that is a way of growing the game. But all you have to do is throw in a, a couple of tweets about how Abe answered, how good he did. And I will say that I, I did see on the golfchannel.com there was at least a couple of articles written uh, on Abe answers win. So that's a little bit of positive. But to your point, Sam, it's gotten to a point now to where, like, I think it was Friday or Saturday I was watching Golf Central, and they actually showed one shot of Abraham Answer, and I was blown away, astonishingly shocked that they showed him. And that's the point that we're at now, Woody, is I turn on the Golf Channel, and I'm astonished when I see some of the best players in the world with their shot because they've been so biased over the past year. I think what we have here, guys, is if you think about it, our podcast 
we're the only people that actually talk about live in some kind of positive way, whether it's the tournaments themselves or the guys playing in it. So I think the AT&T, the Pebble Beach, is such a unique event that there is all those actors and stars and people playing. And so it brings such a different type of atmosphere to a golf tournament. But what we did see with this last weekend, Justin Rose pulling off a heck of a victory. But one of the biggest stories was, is what? Aaron Rodgers has a bogus handicap. Don't we love golf? Everybody's got a bogus handicap, whether it's too low or too high. So I think it's just a weird week. I hate the Avery answer won this week. I'm glad he won. But he's not going to get much publicity if he wins in, on our side of the pond, let alone over in where he was and it's just a travesty of what we had it's just a bad week for him to have won we're definitely going to get woody to aaron Rodgers' handicap when we when we get to the pebble beach pro-am in a second but i do want to you know give a shout out to some more guys that played great golf at the saudi international number one i want to give a shout out to paul casey paul casey's a guy that i feel like has been a little bit forgotten that still has a bunch of talent even though he's a little older remember we saw him at the players when he had one of the worst breaks of all time hitting his drive on the 16th hole and someone else's pitch mark to lose the players championship um but he finishes top five at 13 under um cam young obviously i probably should have started with him Cam Young continues to be one of the solid, great young players on the PGA Tour. By the way, if Cam Young would have won this tournament, I don't think it would have been crickets from everybody in the golf media. I think we would have heard about it, right? If he goes head-to-head with Abe Anser and wins um, and and beats him you know, 19-under to 17-under, I I feel like it would have been a little bit different story, but that is not to take away from Cam Young because I think he is an up-and-coming superstar on the PGA Tour. I love his game, and he's already put himself in contention in majors, which is extremely impressive. Um, Ogletree, guys. Remember, he finished in last place in the first live event that he played in and then was relegated off of the live tour. And now that means, unfortunately, that he is a free agent on live. And, and then that means that, that he is banned from playing on PG, on the PGA Tour. So for him to go out there under all that pressure, he has to play good when he gets his opportunities. And he finishes solo ninth place at 11 under, uh, you know, one shot ahead of guys like Joaquin Neiman and Matthew Wolf. And that's the next guy I want to talk about, Matthew Wolf. He is starting to round into form, and yes, he's still going to be streaky the rest of his career, but the fact that it it seems like ever since he left to go to live, it looks like a thousand bricks are off his shoulders. I like the way that Matthew Wolf played at the end of last year, and I look for him to have a solid year on live as well. And then right there in 12th place, our man Taylor Gooch at 9-under. So, T-Dub, be- between Matthew Wolf and Taylor Gooch, I, I like the way they're playing. Uh, even after the longer offseason, I think they might be a little bit refreshed, especially for a guy like Matthew Wolf. I think the offseason does him some good. Yeah, another good finish from our boy T. Gooch, as you mentioned, finishing 12th and Matthew Wolf finishing 10th, who's finished 5th uh, and 10th in his last two events. Gooch hasn't played in, in an event since going back to Doral, so a little bit there. And Paul Casey, who you mentioned earlier, he uh, he's had three straight top fives in the tournaments he's played. So, so that's really good. And I, I expect 
step, especially Wolf and Gooch, both being as young as they are, they'll keep progressing uh, well in their careers. I will say one thing that was probably the most shocking um, from this tournament, Woody, was Cam Smith missing the cut, going out and shooting 73 first round, came back with a 69 to, to try to make it, but still wasn't able to do it. And I look at the, the analytics, and Cam Smith's all the way down to the 17th ranked analytically player in the world, fourth in the OWGR, but 17th, really the opposite of what we expect to see from guys going to live. He's ranked a lot higher in the OWGR than he is in the analytics. So, Woody, I mean, uh, we saw a lot of good players play good, but we also saw some uh, players like Cam Smith and, and Phil Mixon miss the cut play bad. And Bryson DeChambeau as well shot seven <laughs> over, missed the cut. And, and Big Bryson as well. Cam, I think, really enjoyed Australia. Uh, I, you could kind of tell that he was going down there to enjoy his time. I don't think he was spending a lot of time with his golf. Mickelson is looks dang near dead, so I don't expect him to be able to play. He needs to eat food. Eat him at Christmas. So we'll give Phil a uh, burger. Yeah, I mean, yeah, big, greasy cheeseburgers, what he needs. Um, and Dechambeau, oh, Bryson, well, he's he. We don't know with Bryson. He's he's the Jordan Spieth of the uh, Live Tour because I don't know what he's going to do every week. I got no clue. He's changing equipment. He got Cobra dumped him, which I can't imagine why. Really, I mean, he did nothing for them in my opinion except irritate them. Um, so he's going through equipment changes and and first tournament kind of out of the box for those guys after a long layoff. I don't give it a whole lot of credit as far as playing bad for the guys that like Gooch and Wolf that play pretty doggone good. That, that bodes well for them because I think they want to play golf. Those two guys are young. They want to get out there and play some golf tournaments and they feel like they've kind of had this break and they, that's great, but they want to get back to playing golf. I guarantee you they do. Yeah, no doubt about it. I think both of you guys hit the nail on the head there. I want to get to the Pebble Beach Pro-Am, the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am. Guys, I think this is a huge story. Justin Rose shot 18 under, 6 under in the final round to win the Pebble Beach Pro-Am by three shots. And, And I think that the biggest story is that Justin Rose has gone back to conventional on the greens. And in that final round, guys, he gained two and a half shots on the field putting. And if he continues to putt like this, we might see the Justin Rose of old vintage Justin Rose because he is going to be one of the you know premier ball strikers on the PGA Tour if he continues to putt like this, guys, he he's a force to look out for in major championships considering his experience, T-Dub. Well, and let's not forget, guys, I mean, his switch to, to home equipment when all that stuff happened really set him back because back in September of 2018, he was the number one ranked player in the world. He, he had just That was when he won the FedEx Cup against Tiger. So, I mean, Justin Rose, not too long ago, was the best player in the world, and I saw a little bit of, of form of what showed that he, he may be able to get back to that point because not only was his putting good, as you alluded to, Sam, but his swing was looking good and his chipping was good, too. And, and there, was, there was a few shots off of the tee where it looked like he missed some shots right, and, and I think he'll, he'll get through that. He, that was actually been majority of his miss around that time when he was playing good anyway, just kind of the, uh, the consequence of the swing that he has. But, but Woody, his swing, one of the most technically sound that the game has ever seen, only 42 years old. I expect him to have a little bit of a, a resurgence towards the end of his career starting now. 
you know what's funny is we 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 were talking a couple of podcasts ago about with guys change equipment can they do it he did it overnight he literally did it wednesday he changed his whole bag basically all of his irons went to a cobra iron that shows you how good these guys are. It shows you how good the equipment is and how good the manufacturers are being able to put the right thing in the guy's hands. Justin Rose can play, gentlemen. He could always play. He's never quit being a good player. That Honda thing was a little bit of an experiment that kind of went sideways on him. I wonder, though, guys, maybe he putted well because the, those greens are so bad he didn't have any expectations of making putts, and he started making putts. So I hope he can build on that. With his win, he gets to go to the Waste Management Tournament because he was not in that this week until he won. So it be interesting to see what Justin Rose does this week. Guys, and then on the amateur side of the Pebble Beach Pro-Am, Aaron Rodgers gets the victory, but... In pure Aaron Rodgers fashion, guys, there has to be controversy surrounding it. Aaron Rodgers in this golf tournament was a 10 handicap. Now, his team shot a 62 at Spyglass and an 11 under uh, 60 at Monterey Peninsula Country Club. Uh, Aaron Rodgers says that he shot an 86 at Sherwood on Monday, hasn't been playing much golf. He said he had zero confidence coming in. Um, But let's hear what Keith Mitchell, whose partner was another quarterback, Josh Allen, had to say uh, when the tournament was coming down the stretch here. I think Josh and I won. Um, Aaron Rodgers doesn't count. His handicap was crap, so... I haven't looked. I think we were on 18. We might have been up there. But if if uh, if we finish second to Aaron, I consider us winning the trophy. All right, guys. So you hear Keith Mitchell's thoughts right there. And Keith Mitchell not mincing many words. I don't think he was joking about the fact that he thought that Aaron Rodgers' handicap was crap. And if him and Josh Allen finished second to Ben Silverman and Aaron Rodgers, then he can, he considers Keith Mitchell and Josh Allen winning the golf tournament. And so, I mean, what do you guys think about Aaron Rodgers apparently sandbagging in the Pebble Beach Pro-Am? It's just another example, guys, of why handicap tournaments at the end of the day are these absolute worst because everyone's going to find some way to finagle the system and get their handicap down. And it's so misleading because we've watched both of them play in the match. And I, I was told in the match that Tom Brady was an eight. And, and I watched this and I see Aaron Rodgers is a 10. It's like, no, Aaron Rodgers is so much better than Tom Brady at golf. It's not even funny. So it, it's I, I, just another example of why I cannot stand handicap tournaments. But I will say this about Aaron Rodgers is that with the one-shot lead on 18, he has a fairway wood out in the middle of the fairway, and cold blood hooks the hell out of it right into the middle of the Pacific Ocean. So it's good to know, Woody, that Aaron Rodgers doesn't just choke on the football field. He chokes on the golf course, too. I <laughs> 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 never really thought about it that way, but I guess that's true. I, his golf swing looks like he's a little bit better than a 10 handicap is what I would say. However, having played a lot more programs than you guys have, I don't know which is worse, to be honest with you. Is it worse to have the guy that says he's a two or three handicap and shoots 90? Or is it better to have the guy that shoots normally, well, let's say he's a 10 and he can shoot par? Um, You feel guilty either way, to be honest with you. 
it's a no-win situation. The guy that can't play to his handicap, you look at him all day long, you go, man, are you kidding me? And the guy that's sandbagging is the word we use. Um, you almost feel guilty. So um, I think it's a fine line, gentlemen. As you well know, on any given day, any one of us could go out and shoot five or six under. We could also go out and shoot five or six over. Okay, so there's a 10 to 12 shot spread between a golf professional, what he could shoot and what he might shoot. So sometimes I think we're a little hard on the amateur. Now, if he does it consistently and does it over and over and over and over again, then you start to raise a red flag. But um, I, I don't really, I'm not an Aaron Rodgers fan, but I just love how Keith Mitchell reacted to it because he's like all of us played in a golf tournament. We feel like we shot a really good round of golf. Somebody comes in and sandbags you. You get irritated, don't you, gentlemen? That's what it all. That's what I love about golf. That's what it's all about. Yeah, no doubt about it. And I think a lot of people don't realize that handicaps. When you have a handicap and you say you're a you're a scratch golfer, that means that if you play your best golf that day, then you can shoot even par, right? And so, to me, when you when you see a team with a guy with a ten handicap. Uh, shoot a 60 and a 62 on tough golf courses and your 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 pros not even winning the golf tournament to me I I look at that and I I see definitely some sandbagging there T-Dub I I don't know about you but it does seem fishy to me I'm more on Keith Mitchell's side of this I'm 100% on Keith Mitchell's side on this deal there's and and I don't think he was the only one who who voiced concerns as well said a lot of guys in in the little restaurant bar area were coming up to Rogers and giving him hell, and rightfully so. And, and to Woody's point about about which is worse, the, the sandbagger or the reverse sandbagger, I, I think that the absolute worst without question is, is the reverse sandbagger, the guy who says you're the two to three handicap and you're going to go out and shoot 95 because at the end of the day, if you're misleading your handicap, you're a liar. But it's worse to be a stupid liar than actually one that could benefit you at the end of the day. <laughs> so the reverse sandbagger is not only a liar, but they're stupid too. So I'm going to say – that that one is by far the worst. One one thing about Pebble Beach before we get off of this, I, I wanted to ask y'all, especially Woody, because he's played out there. So they had mentioned that they weren't able to mow the greens at any at any of the courses for like two or three days because of the high winds and the slopes on the greens. Well, on Sunday afternoon, when they knew that there wasn't going to be any more golf to be played, knew they are going to come back on Monday, they're asking the question of, oh, well, can they mow the greens tonight for tomorrow's round? Can they do that? Is that legal? And they kept acting like it was the most genius question ever. And and Woody, to me, it was the absolute dumbest question of all time because these delays happen all the time. Are you telling me that greens don't get mowed between Sunday and Monday if there's a Monday finish? Am I absolutely wrong on that? Should they have been questioning if they could mow the greens or not? It sounded really stupid to me. It was really stupid. And and it is really stupid. Yes, they can do that. They, They could have maintained that golf course perfectly for that Monday finish. In fact, I can't believe they didn't. Everything about it, uh, squeegeeing, get it get it as dry as you can, get it as mowed as you can. Uh, I don't uh, – you know, sometimes you watch television and, and as being a golfer, you almost hate watching it because you hear things or you see things and you go, what? What are they – I mean, you're almost better off you know nothing about it. So it was like, oh, that sounds like an interesting question. No, it wasn't an interesting question. Oh, it's just stupid. You're right. 
by the way, I do want to update people on a scary situation that unfolded on Friday on the 11th hole at Pebble Beach. Bo Hostler and Max McGreevy from here in Oklahoma were playing together, and obviously it's the Pebble Beach Pro-Am, and so they're playing with amateurs. Um, Jeff Couch and Lucas Nelson were the amateurs, and one of the caddies for one of those amateurs, I'm not exactly sure which one uh, he was caddying for, um, collapsed on the 11th hole at Pebble Beach, um, and they administered CPR, uh, you know, brought the ambulance and police cars out on the course on Pebble Beach, and and luckily, they were able to administer CPR and kind of similar to the DeMar Hamlin situation, I think, get him get him the help that he needed and the, apparently was doing better, and even Bo Hostler and, and Max McGreevy went ahead and started playing the, the end of that round after uh, the last group came through, guys, but a scary situation there, and, and I'm just, you know, wanted to let everyone know that I think everybody was okay and, you know, kind of update people on the fact that if you might have heard Max McGreevy caddy. It was not Max McGreevy's caddy. It was a caddy of one of the amateur players that Max McGreevy was playing with. Yeah, an absolutely scary deal that was. Uh, just absolutely horrible for the caddy. Hopefully he's able to uh, you know, make a full recovery. And I, I've been in a situation similar to, to, to that circumstance. I was playing a tournament a few years ago during the summer and, and it was, what, 115 degrees or something like that. And, and we see this ambulance driving on the course and I'm like, oh man, something really bad has happened and and you expect it's one of those drunken fest tournaments you know down in south oklahoma you expect it to be one of these old guys who was just dehydrated well it turned out to be one of the youngest most fit people in the tournament who actually wasn't drinking any alcohol at all so it's you, you never know who this could who these situations could happen to or anything like that i mean woody in all your times playing golf and pj tour have you ever been in a situation similar to to what occurred at pebble i've been very fortunate no i've never had anybody drop on me i i had a I had a caddy that had, uh, oh, he got food poisoning, so I got to watch him throw up for nine holes before he called it a day. Uh, but really, other than that, I've been I've been really lucky. We had a member at Oak Tree National that was playing the Lake and Coors at Gallardia, and he dropped on the 17th hole, and luckily there was somebody there that was uh, a doctor in the heart hospital that was just right across the street. Because uh, they thought they'd lost him, and they were able to get him to the hospital, put him in an induced coma, and he's alive and kicking today. And he'll tell you that he's one of the luckiest people in the world. Wow! Yeah, definitely thankful that in this situation everyone was okay, and prayers go out to that family that he makes a full recovery. Guys, I have a confession to make. Last week, uh, we were talking about the hot streak that I'm on as far as the one and done goes, and. Basically, I picked Maverick McNeely last week, and he withdraws from the Pebble Beach Pro-Am, guys. Uh, So my hot streak, as far as the one-and-done, is over. Um, But there was a silver lining to it, guys. I totally forgot to insert Maverick McNeely into my one-and-done lineup. I never did it. I said it on the show, but I never actually used him this week so uh is that a good thing or a bad thing (laughs) and and do i have just intuition that i accidentally did not put maverick mcneely in my lineup or really anyone in my lineup so i i got zero dollars this week but i still have the ability to use maverick mcneely in the future (laughs) 
Weren't you two for two? Because didn't Dustin Johnson, didn't you pick him to win? Yeah. The, 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 the neither. Turn. <laughs> yeah, neither of my oh, guys you, finished the tournament. Isn't that great? Well, I got to tell you, I'll give you credit. I still think you're on a roll. Because who could pick two guys that could withdraw? <laughs> Holy crap. <laughs> I'm two guys to win. I still, you're a god. You are the, still the champion of all time. I guarantee you guys I'm going to pick the winner this week for the one and done. How about that? I can't wait to hear who. Yeah, let me know so I can run into the uh, betting book. Well, why don't we just uh, take a break and we'll get right to the waste management coming up here on the 73rd hole, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. But before we do that, Woody, can you tell us about our friends at Quail Creek Bank? The best bank in Oklahoma City. Uh, No ATM fees. Great small business loans. Great savings account loans. Everything you want from your bank. Everything, including always getting to talk to a real, live, honest, goodness person. It doesn't matter if you call on the phone or you come in person. There's always a smiling face that's going to greet you and say hello. It's the best bank. They do everything that you need from a bank. They're located right there on 122nd and North May. Go by and see them. Do it this year. Do it this month. Go by and check out Coil Creek Bank. You won't regret it. Quail Creek Bank, the best bank in Oklahoma City, guys. Yes, let's hit a break and then get to not only is it Super Bowl weekend in Arizona, it is Waste Management Weekend, which means we have an elevated event on the PGA Tour that I'm excited to preview here on the 73rd hole, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. When something the size of a golf ball hits your roof, you need to call McRae Roofing. McRae Roofing is Oklahoma's designer roofing service specialist. For years, Jeff McRae and the experienced team at McRae Roofing and Exteriors have served fellow Oklahomans by helping them with their roofing needs. McRae Roofing uses only top quality materials and professional crews to make sure that each job is done right so it will give you the years of service, security, and protection you need from the unpredictable Oklahoma weather. McRae Roofing offers residential and commercial roofing, ventilation services, and custom copper designs. McRae Roofing is dedicated to exceeding the homeowner's expectations. It's not just a roof, it is your home's crowning glory. Call McRae Roofing today at 405-692-4000. That's 405-692-4000. Make sure to also visit their website at McRaeRoofing.com. That's M-C-R-A-Y Roofing.com. Don't get caught with a leaking roof. Contact McRae Roofing for your free inspection today. We are back here on the 73rd Hole Podcast, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. Taylor Williams, Jim Woodward, Sam Humphreys, still with you as always. And teed up, we are talking in the break that something crazy happened on the DP World Tour. Please let the listeners know what happened. I don't know if I've ever heard um, of such a sneaky choke or a choke, I, I would say. It was absolutely nuts. Yeah, the uh, the Ross all Kahima Championship, I probably pronounced that wrong, but nevertheless, a, a, a tournament that would, would really not garner a whole lot of attention usually, but this finish was just absolutely nuts. Really had three people going down the wire. You had Daniel Gavins, Alexander Bjork, and Xander Lombard um, all, all battling for the title, and Daniel Gavins ha- had the lead. He had a three-shot lead 
going into, or maybe it was a two-shot lead going into 18. Everyone was playing in a different group, so it made it a little bit confusing. But Bork was in the first group. He actually bogeys. He does the old, uh, what Lee Westwood did in the 2009 uh, Open against Tom Watson, where he has like a 35-footer and bangs it 10 feet by, thinking he needs to make it, and then misses the next one, ends up losing by one. Really good move there to bogey. But but Govins, he, he pumps it so far right into the water on 18 that, that he, he doesn't even clear any land. So then he has to re-tee, hits it in the fairway. It's a par five, the 18th hole. Decides to hit a, a fairway wood for his, his next shot instead of laying up. Pumps that one 50 yards right into the water. Has to go over and drop. It has to hit like a 50-yard flop shot over the bunker. Hits it to 25 feet. And then Woody proceeds to make the 25-footer for a double bogey to, to win by one. It was the most Vanderbilt-esque I've seen <laughs> since John Vanderbilt himself. <laughs> well... It's funny because Sam didn't get to see any of it. I, I just happened to pull it up on my iPad because they showed this first tee shot he hit. I, I've, I've got to tell you, see that watching it on the little uh, on my iPad, those are two of the worst looking golf shots I've ever seen. The first that driver he hit off that 18 tee was so far right. If that lake wouldn't have been so big, he could have hit it all the way on the other side. I've never seen that bad a golf swing. And then that three-wood or whatever wood he pumps into the water again, I thought, well, this boy's a full train wreck. Somehow he gets it on the green, and how he makes it from 25 feet, I'm telling you, the golf gods were just looking out for this dude because he tried every way he could to lose that golf tournament and couldn't do it. It was amazing. I mean, guys, it sounds amazing. We're going to have to try to find that video and tweet it out for everybody on at the 73rd hole on Twitter. By the way, if you're not following us on social media at the 73rd hole on Twitter and at 73rd hole on Instagram and go ahead and hit that subscribe button right now while you're listening. It's absolutely free. Just helps us out. Uh, Guys, I saw something on Twitter uh, in the college golf ranks that I have never seen before, and I don't know if I'll ever see this again. Jenny Park, the one bag for Texas A&M, was playing in the UCF Challenge uh, down at Eagle Creek Golf Club, I assume in Orlando. And Jenny goes out there in a college golf tournament in the first two rounds and pars 36 straight holes, guys. Pars 36 straight holes. I don't know if that record will ever be broken. I've never heard of that in my entire life. 36 straight holes. How do you how do you make 18 straight pars and then keep it going? You would think that it would start getting in your head eventually like a like a no-hitter or, or something like that where where someone's going to bring it up and you're going to make a birdie or a bogey, right? Or even a double. I mean, there's no doubt about it. I mean, at this point, I'm still not sure that. I mean, do we have validity that this happened? Are we sure this isn't just this is a coming, computer error type situation? This is coming this is 100% straight from sure golf stat. I, I think that it happened. I, I'm pretty. I'm pretty positive. I wasn't there, but. <laughs> I, I mean, it's. I mean, if, if it's true, I am absolutely blown away. I mean, I played. I actually played with uh, Max McGreevy's dad in in a state am qualifier, and he made 18 straight pars. Um, at, at Meadowbrook, I believe, was, was where it was at. And I was actually blown away when I saw that because I thought the same thing. It's like you, you can you can miss a five-footer for birdie, then you can make a 25-footer for par. And it's just the streak just keeps continuing continuing on and on. And, I mean, I can't – I've never made 18 pars in a round. I made like 16 before or something like that um, or maybe 17. But uh, I don't know, Woody, to go two straight rounds 
with, with no with no birdies and no bogeys. Seems like it would get uh, it would be boring for a little bit, but then towards like the last nine holes, it would get super exciting. I have to ask. There's two questions I got to ask you guys. One is, what did she finish in the golf tournament, shooting even par? And the other one is, if you guys are on the 36th hole, you know you've made 35 straight pars, and you've got a three footer. Do you try to make it, or you just go ahead and miss it so you can have 36 straight pars? and be talked about on the podcast. <laughs> well, I mean, to me, I'm definitely <laughs> missing the putt either way, whether I try to make it or not. But, T-Dub, why don't you go ahead and discuss that while I look up whether Jenny Park uh, won this golf tournament or not. 100% I'm missing that putt. I mean, it, and it's uh, – I, I don't know if it would have been from trying to miss it or not. I mean, it, it could have been one of those deals where you try to miss it and you actually make it. But, uh, but yeah, I'm on golf stat right now, and uh, if it didn't happen, they didn't update the system. So I'm pretty sure that this officially happened. And there's a decent amount of par fives on this golf course. There's four of them. Three of them are which on the back nine. So that's uh, that's pretty interesting. There, uh, according to this, she is. Uh, I think the tournament's over. Yeah, she finished 26 in the tournament. She shot three under in the final round with 72, 72. 69. The winner of the I would tournament venture was to say a that named, Jenny, uh, By the way, I would venture to say that Jenny made three birdies in all pars in that final round. <laughs> probably. Uh, well, we could probably pull it up to find out. Um, but uh, let's, uh, she actually made four birdies and one bogey. So congratulations. Oh, she made one to her bogey. On her. <laughs> oh. did, how, many, how many holes did but, but she go on the third round before she made something besides the par? Because she made 36. Did she birdie like the first hole or bogey the first hole? Oh, it says here that she started on hole seven, and then she parred seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, and then birdie 13. So what is that? 42 so, straight holes, Woody? Yeah, 20. Uh, yeah, no. Uh, 42 straight holes of par or better. Or par. <laughs> guys, guys, so basically this means that she was either putting really good or really bad, right? There's no in-between. Because if she's striking well, the ball great, she was putting horrible. But if she was if she was putting right. great, uh, that means that she wasn't striking it very well, right, guys? Uh, yeah, that'd be curious to see what her putts were. Because if she's hitting eighteen greens, she's two putting every hole. And if she's hitting you know thirteen, she's got to get up and down. And then, uh, well, she's got to putt some good and some bad, is what it sounds like to me. I don't know. <laughs> hey, uh, that was pretty awesome to see, though. 36 straight pars for Jenny Park of Texas A&M, guys. Okay, we got to get to the story that everyone wants to talk about in the world of golf right now. On February 5th, St. Andrews came up with one of the stupidest ideas that I have ever seen in my entire life. The Swoken Bridge, yes, one of the most monumental landmarks in the game of golf at St. Andrews. They decided, since they can't grow any grass in front of the bridge because everybody walks over the bridge, they decided that they are going to build and and lay down rocks in a circle in front of the Swoken Bridge, and it literally looked like one of the stupidest things that I have ever seen. But the backlash was just too much for St. Andrews. They tore it down with one of Woody's excavators 
on February 7th. So this, this patio area lasted on the Swoken Bridge or in front of the Swoken Bridge from February 5th of 2023 to February 7th of 2023 guys i cannot imagine what the board of directors was talking about to think that this was a good idea and that people would not freak out about the swoken bridge being tarnished by a patio area that looked like there should be a fire pit in the middle of it in front of one of golf's most historic landmarks t-dub Great decision to tear it down. Stupid, stupid, stupid decision to ever put it up. I mean, even more so than than the lady making the thirty six straight pars. I I just I I had to say this is fake. There's no way that this happened. This, this is just a, another engineering of Photoshop. Just the age that we live in, where it looks so realistic. But you do a little bit more digging, and you realize it's true. And I I, I literally about threw my phone against the wall. I said, "This is literally the dumbest thing <laughs> I've ever seen." Because the main thing about it is that it looked like shit, too. Like, the rocks weren't even positioned together <laughs> right. Like, they're all spaced out, crooked. Like, it, it just looked absolutely ridiculous. And the biggest question I have about this, Woody, is what dumbass is sitting there and, and said, you know what, we need to put a huge circle patio on both sides of the bridge. And, and then what other idiot looked at him and said, you know what, that's a good idea. Let's spend, because that's nothing. This was not a cheap endeavor. It costs money to take it out, but it costs even more money to put it in. So what, what dumbass said, oh, you know what, that idea you just said, that is really, really smart. Let's do that, and let's get that implemented. Like, what, what would have happened? What kind of, like, you could have not been on drugs because you would have came up with a lot better ideas if you were on drugs than this. I mean, I, I don't even know how this came to fruition. Well, I'm the only one of us three that have actually stood on that bridge, I believe, because I don't think any one of you guys have been there yet. I have not. So, I need to. If, if if you think about the iconic in golf, this is, this is one of it. Augusta has its certain holes, too, and certain things. But this Wilkin Bridge, and if you look at this bridge, guys, and you understand it's over 700 years old, I'm not sure who could engineer that at 700 years ago and do it as good as they did it. So, C-Dub, I got to be honest with you. I know there is a lot of scotch over there that is drank and lots of honey. <laughs> My only thought is these dudes were just toasted. And they said, ah. We got a good fly on this rock all the way around it. That's my Scottish accent, <laughs> and that, that 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 would probably, like you said, although I'll give them credit, forty eight hours, a little over forty eight hours, and they said, "Yeah, this wasn't a good idea." <laughs> so, where they get credit for being the dumbest human beings for thinking of it, they also get credit for pulling it out as quick as they could. So. Uh, and you're right. It looked like something I would have built. It was horrible. And <laughs> <laughs> they looked like they were beginners with an excavator the way they put them in there. So thank goodness, guys, it was said, it was done, it wasn't fabricated, which is still hard to believe, but it didn't last long enough for anybody to really realize it. So the bridge is safe. Now, can you imagine, gentlemen, think about this for a minute. They're building the patio. The guy with the excavator makes a mistake and hits the bridge and knocks it down. How are we looking now? 
Oh man, I thought about that too that when I saw the nuts. picture of the excavator. I mean, they kind of <laughs> cut off a little bit of the bottom of the Swoken Bridge when they were taking out this this patio area. You you can tell where they cut off the bottom of it, which I, I assume uh-huh. they'll cover with turf. But yeah, it's a historical yeah. landmark. Just leave it alone. If there's dirt in front of it, who cares? You can't see the front yeah. of the bridge in the pictures anyways. Well, when 700 years ago, it was for the shepherds to take their goats across the little brook that goes through there. Okay. Well, you think it was muddy then? Seven hundred years ago, it's muddy. It's gonna be muddy now. Leave it alone, for goodness sake! Please leave it alone. Well, Well, not only did I mention that it doesn't look good, but I'm looking at at the picture again now. Not only is it off center, it's so off center that it's at like a thirty degree angle. It's like the 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 circle points almost at the the hotel, and the bridge points over towards one tee box. It is. The most flawed engineering design and, and concept I've ever seen in my entire life. Not to mention that the aerial view might have looked like something they didn't want it to look like. Uh, there you go. That's what <laughs> That's I was about ready to say. Yeah. That might have been the best thank, part of it. Thank, thank goodness they didn't put a fire pit in the middle of it. <laughs> then it was really good. <laughs> exactly right. Uh, change is... Not always bad, though, guys. We have two team name changes and some logo changes on the Live Tour. Uh, the two team name changes, you have the Range Goats, which is Bubba's squad. And by the way, Live announces the captains to go along with the new teams. They have not announced the new teams yet, but I would uh, venture to say that we'll have an Oklahoman on Bubba's squad, which is the Range Goats, formerly the Niblicks, um, and then Team Ripper, which is uh, Cam Smith's team. And obviously that's a new team with uh, all the Australian players. So what do we think about the Range Goats and Ripper for this year on the Live Tour? I'll say this. I think the Range Goats, when it comes to logo and team name, is probably my favorite out of all of them. I really think it's a cool cool look that the Goat is. But I will say this, though. I mean, just – I feel like they could have came up with some better with some better team names. And I'm not even talking about the ones this year. I'm going all the way back to last year. It's I, The team concept super cool. But like uh, like the uh, cliques and the the fire and the fireballs isn't ho- isn't horrible, but uh, you know like uh, the the torque and all that. I don't I don't know, Woody. I feel like we could have if we're going to get team names for golf. I feel like we could have been a, a little bit more creative with some of them. That's such a tough thing when you think about naming a team when you you go through all the NFL teams or you go through all the NBA teams. There's some good team names, and there's also you know let let us not forget the kangaroos. Kansas City Kangaroos. So <laughs> we always got to bring them back into the picture. So I guarantee you guys, it's hard to come up, I would think, with a team name that everybody's going to go, yeah, man, I like that. So I think it's what I do believe, though, guys, is this is just another uh, great talking point for the Live Tour that's different than the PGA Tour because there is teams, there is reshuffling of guys on teams, and there's some new team names. Bubba, let's not forget, guys, Bubba didn't even get to play last year. So Bubba's got to be really excited going into this year without being injured so he can actually tee it up and get involved in this live thing. So he'll be an interesting kind of cat to have out there this year. I'll be interested to see how he kind of gets into the team thing and how well he plays individually. 
Yeah, I totally agree. And hey, I was wrong about Team Ripper. It was formerly Team Punch. Now they are Team Ripper. Uh, guys, then the other teams that we already know of, uh, the four aces, Dustin Johnson is obviously the captain again. The cliques, Martin Keimer is the captain. Um, Bryson DeChambeau is the captain of Crushers. Um, let's see, Fireballs, Sergio, uh, Phil Mickelson, High Flyers. The new High Flyers logo, I think, looks pretty great as well. It's a little different, a little more sleek than the one they had last year. All the all the logos are a little more sleek. It looks like they just didn't do them on PowerPoint, Excel, or whatever. Uh, Microsoft PowerPoint, guys. It seems like uh, they actually put a little bit more effort into these logos. You have the Iron Heads, who is captained by Kevin Na. The Majestics, who is co-captained by Ian Poulter and Henrik Stinson. Um... And then Team Smash is captained by Brooks Kepka. Uh, they finished third in Live last year, if you remember. And then Team Stinger, Louis Oosthuizen. Uh, and then Team Torque uh, with Joaquin Neiman as the captain. Um, and it seems like, you know, Mito Pereira might be on Team Torque with, uh, with Joaquin Neiman. That might be a change that we expect to hear coming up when they announce the, the rest of the teams uh, for Liv, guys. Uh, any other thoughts on this? I, I'm just kind of excited for Liv to get going. We see some Liv guys like Abe Anser uh, playing some really solid golf. Even the Oklahoma guys, Matthew Wolf and, and Taylor Gooch, playing some solid golf. Um, I'm excited to get it going and, and kind of see what these guys are going to do and how it plays out on TV on the CW network as well. I, I, I'm not sure how it's going to go, but, but we got to give it a chance. Yeah, I, I am a little upset that it's not going to be on YouTube. Uh, that, that is something that, that I like because you could go back and, and rewatch it whenever you wanted. That was one of the reasons why if there was a, a tournament way across, across the ocean, you'd be able to go back and, and, and watch it. But, uh, but yeah, I, I think the, the first event is February 24th, which is the week of the Honda Classic, which is not a, an elevated event. So we'll have waste management this week. Then we'll have uh, the Genesis next week. And then we'll, we'll go into the Honda slash live events. I mean, the, the next really leading up all the way to Augusta, Woody, we're going to have great golf, not only on the PGA Tour, but live as well. It's time. It's time. It's time to get into that focus. It's time for spring to hit in Oklahoma. I'm looking forward to the winds blowing about 40, but the grass starting to turn green. So it's, um, how do they say, boys, is this weekend, to me, it's, the start of golf season here we go i totally agree with you waste management no better place to start the season of golf before we get off the live subject and last subject before we get to the waste management preview and all of our picks i do want to get your guys thoughts on what nick faldo said about live golfers playing in the Ryder cup he said quote they shouldn't be there because they've gone off and you've got to move on they're done. It's a rival tour if you work for a company for 20 years and you leave to go to a rival company, I can promise you that your picture will not still be on the wall. You've moved on. Off you go. Guys, this sounds great in theory until you realize that the Ryder Cup is not run by the PGA Tour. It's run by the PGA of America, and the PGA of America has already set the precedent to me that they let the guys play in the PGA. I don't understand why you can't let these guys play or why you're going to ban these guys 
from the Ryder Cup. It makes no sense to me. It's arguments like this that have no basis, and we're hearing them from guys that are legends in the game of golf, and people take that as pure fact when it's not, T-Dub, and it just bothers me, and and I think that Henrik Stinson got a raw into the deal. We could go on and on. We'll talk all year about how ridiculous this Ryder Cup crap is, um, but T-Dub, I feel like at the end of the day, if you don't let the live guys play, all it's doing is diminishing the product that has made the Ryder Cup so great over the years. And if you don't have the greatest Americans or the greatest Europeans in the Ryder Cup, is it really even the Ryder Cup, T-Dub? Well, I feel like we're all going to be in consensus. Anyone who's listened to our show at any point knows where we stand on this. My whole point of this whole debate was allow players to where they play because it makes the fields better. But but I I will say this, just not not to uh, bring on any other points that we've talked about a thousand times, but In all honesty, if you look at the players who would be on the European tour team, there's not that many that are on live right now. By far, the playing the best is Paul Casey. The other person you could throw in there is maybe Sergio, and I don't even know if his play would would demonstrate that as much as the fact that he has the experience and all there. Maybe you could throw Polster in there um, because of uh, how good he's – of his record, obviously, and how good of a putter he is. But uh, I don't know, Woody. I feel like it's a lot less drastic than it was for the President's Cup when they had five or six of their players who went to live who aren't going to be on, especially when you have Rory and Rom, who are by far the two best players in the world on Europe. They could probably do without a Paul Casey or a Sergio. I think they'll be just fine. They'll be able to throw some other good players in there. So I really don't think, even if they don't let the live guys play, I don't think it's going to make that big of a deal at the end of the day. I would believe it would affect the Americans more than it would affect the Europeans. You're right, T-Dub. I think those the Europeans are those guys that have left are kind of getting a little older and not probably as competitive. Uh, but you still on our team. You've still you you've got that Dustin Johnson, uh, that Kepka. If Kepka gets back to the form that we know he can, um, uh, you know Taylor Gooch, uh, Matthew Wolf, these uh, DeChambeau, If he gets back to his playability, we have a lot on the live that we could maybe pull over. But I will say this, Sam: the the PGA of America is in bed with the PGA Tour. Do not think they aren't, That's right. and they will. Be they will do what Jay Monahan asked them to do. They're, the PGA of America is weak. They will fall in line whichever way they think is the most important way to go. They're not going to step out like uh, the RNA or something like that. So it, it will be interesting to see. I thought it was interesting, guys, that Jordan Speed spoke so highly of Dustin Johnson that he missed him, that he missed having him around. Um, that's the first time I've heard anything from a PGA guy that said, hey, you know, this guy's a good dude. I miss having him around. So there are some guys on that live tour that those guys from PGA Tour miss, and there are some guys they're glad they're gone. So um, it's a catch-22, but I don't think you're going to see when the Ryder Cup comes around, I don't care how good Dustin Johnson's playing or any of those guys are playing, they will not, they will not get on that team. No, I agree with you guys, and T-Dub brings up a great point in the fact that it wouldn't affect the Europeans that much considering that the great international players on live are Cam Smith, you know, Abe Anser, Joaquin Neiman. We could go on down the list of guys that aren't eligible for the Ryder Cup on the European side. But on the American side, I think you would be kidding yourself if you think that Dustin Johnson or Brooks Kepka or even a Taylor Gooch or a Patrick Reed wouldn't be considered for a captain's pick um, if they were playing on the PGA Tour. I, I think that they would definitely... 
if not just already be locked into the team, they would be definitely considered for a, a captain's pick. So it, I think it could definitely affect at least two or three of the guys on the on the Ryder Cup side or on the American side of the Ryder Cup. Uh, guys, it's time. Let's get to the waste management. Open at TPC Scottsdale, guys. It's Super Bowl weekend, which means it's waste management weekend. The drinks are going to be flowing, and I think that there's going to be a lot of gambling going on, considering that Woody brought up the fact that this is, for a lot of people, the start of golf season. And it's an elevated event this week at TPC Scottsdale. The winner of the tournament, guys, is going to receive $3.6 million. Even second place is going to receive $2.18 million. And third place is going to receive over a million dollars as well, which means if you're in a one-and-done pool, you should seriously look at possibly running out a big gun in this tournament. And as far as the favorites go, this field is absolutely loaded. John Rahm is your favorite. He has an 11.8% chance to win on Data Golf. And I'm going based off favorites based off of the analytics and Data Golf. So John Rahm is the favorite at 11.8%. Rory McElroy is the second favorite at 10.7%. Then you have Scotty Scheffler at 7%. Uh, Xander Shoffley at 5% and Tony Finau at 4.5%. Of those top five guys, I always ask this question, do you guys think the winner comes out of those top five, T-Dub? Because I definitely do. That's a really good question because this field is absolutely deep. It's one of probably by far the best field we've seen in, in 2023. And this is how really the elevated events are going to be going forward for all of them. So I think it's something that we should all be excited about as golf fans. It's actually been a, a pretty good change that, that has been made, at least from our viewership perspective. I mean, when you look at those five guys that you mentioned, Scotty Shepard, the defending champion, so obviously he knows how to play well. He'll John Rahm uh, played golf at Arizona State and has finished, I believe, inside the top 15 every time he's played here. So you got to think that he's by far the favorite, as you mentioned. And then Lynx and, and, and Shoffley, too, is, is down there, who, who has played great at this course. Um, he, he, he did have the withdrawal to Century, but has finished third at the American Express and 13th at, at Torrey since then. So I, I think that he's getting a little bit of form. So I, I, in all honesty, that is one of those bets, Woody, where I wouldn't – if I got posed to that situation, unless you put a gun to my head, I'm not going to – I'm going to stay away from that bet with a 100-foot pole. It is going to be a tough week to pick a winner, and you got to be real careful when you're throwing out one of our, our prime guys. But I'll tell you the guy that it's – one you better look at this week is Hideki. Masiyama, look at his record, guys, at this golf tournament. I mean, he is a stud when it comes to waste management. So, and some of these guys that are going to play this week normally aren't always playing there at Phoenix. So, because Phoenix, this golf tournament's a little bit different. I mean, it's a it's a whole different cat out there when all oh, there's hundred and fifty thousand people. I mean, that's that's not normal for golf, gentlemen, and it is a nut house. So um, it's going to be a fun week. I can't wait to hear who you guys are going to pick in your one and done's. What I'm looking forward to. 
Well, Woody, you bring up a great point about Hideki Matsuyama. Obviously won this tournament back-to-back years in 2016 and 2017. Finished tied for eighth last year. Um, Has never missed the cut in the waste management, but he did withdraw back in 2018. Um, He's definitely a guy to look at. There's a bunch of guys to look at. We'll get to those top guys like Rom and McElroy and Scheffler in a second, but I want to talk about the value you can get in this golf tournament. Guys like Cam Young, Data Golf Loves. He played great golf last week in Saudi Arabia. Uh, he, I think, is like the eighth favorite here on Data Golf. You have uh, Sung M, who has played solid golf. Max Homa, who lives in Scottsdale, could be a great pick, a value pick that I think he legitimately has a chance to win this golf tournament, and he will be down the list just because of the strong field. Uh, Justin Thomas, uh, Victor Hovland, Matthew Fitzpatrick, there's a ton of guys that I feel like have a legitimate chance to win this golf tournament and win this golf tournament by like five shots. There's a Depending on how these guys play, it's very rare that I could see 15 different guys winning this tournament by five winning a golf tournament by five shots and this one I can just because of the talent at the top of the leaderboard it's who plays well and especially who putts well out at TPC Scottsdale T-Dub and where the, they do have some subtle breaks but I, I do want to pose this question to you T-Dub it seems like with this elevated event the winner's getting 3.6 million this has to be the easiest golf course ever played for the most amount of money. I, th- I think you're absolutely 100% right there. I- I've probably met 10 people or so, maybe even more, who have played Scottsdale, and every single one of them just talks about how easy it is. And it's, uh, it really just blows me away, you know, honestly, because it's, uh, it seems like there's a couple holes out there where you could get in a little bit of trouble, but it does have so many easy holes out there. And I think that goes to your point as well with it being not the most difficult course is that, you get a guy who gets hot with his putter. He could shoot two 62s back-to-back and all of a sudden had a five- or six-shot lead going into the weekend and, and just coast. It wouldn't shock me by any stretch that we have that because all you need is one of these good players to light it up. And and to, to Sam's point, Woody, going all the way down, someone like Cam Young, who just finished second last week, is what, the 15th favorite in this tournament? I mean, it's, it's absolutely crazy how loaded it is. Someone like, even like a Victor Hovland, someone we hadn't mentioned, is like the 10th favorite, and he's one of the best players in the world. It just shows absolutely how loaded this field is. The best field by far we have seen, I, I got to tell you guys, it's better than almost any major. It's close, but the majors still get the best field. But this has got to be in the top two. Um, we haven't seen any field loaded like this in a long, long time. So it's going to be, I think it's going to be almost impossible to pick a one and done and you're going to have so many variables that you got to be careful when you're picking a guy. So I do know one thing, the weather will probably be really good. The only thing that you get in Phoenix this time of year that can cause a little bit of a problem is they can get some frost. If it gets chilly at night, they can actually have some frost delays, which could delay tea times. It could back it up, you know, a day or so, because it does happen. It happened to me when I was playing out there. So, I think all in all, the reason you're going to see so many low scores is the weather's going to be probably just absolutely perfect. No winds, um, more light winds, easy golf course, best players in the world, playing for $3.6 million for the winter. Uh, yeah, you can bet they're going to low this week. Yeah, no doubt about it, guys. And 
I love the waste management. I know that some of the golf traditionalists think that this is just a mockery of the game of golf. I couldn't disagree more. I think that things like this grow the game more than anything. It's one of those tournaments that will keep the attention of the casual golf fan, guys, and I absolutely love the 16th hole. I would consider, I I almost think, guys, that the 16th hole this week on Super Bowl weekend might even be a harder ticket to get just based on the numbers than than to get a ticket to the actual Super Bowl. That is going to be an absolute party, guys. I I mean, I think we're all in agreement here that we absolutely love the 16th hole at TPC Scottsdale. 100% I do. It's uh, definitely not something I'd want to see on every single part three in the world. But it's good for, I'd like to see it even more often than, than what we do. And, like, like for, for instance, talk about the golf traditionalists. Uh, as you said earlier, the fact is, like, when Sam Ryder made that hole in one last year, and there's thousands of beer cans just being thrown all over the place. And it's like, <laughs> to me, that stuff's great. Like, I love that. Like, that is, I mean, the only thing I would say is maybe finish your beer before you throw the beer can. It seems like a waste <laughs> of 15 bucks or how much ever damn beer is out there. Maybe even 25 like it was at the PGA, so maybe change your, <laughs> your plan there. But uh, in the excitement of, of everything, Woody, I, I think that it's, uh, it's, it's a great thing for the game of golf. Like I said, this isn't how golf should be every week, but for once or maybe even twice or three times a year, I, I think it's what the game is. Well, it won't be that way this year because they're not going to give you cans around the 16th hole. I was reading this morning on my iPad that you really? will only be given plastic cups. You cannot get into those bleachers with cans of beer this year. So they are trying to tone it back a little bit. But, guys, I'm like you all. I'm I'm old. I'm I'm a traditionalist when it comes to golf. But I, I always was tickled, even in the early 90s, gentlemen. I told you guys a little story off air, but I'll tell you it right now. It was still a nut house. They had a place called the Bird's Nest that was located on a walkway between the clubhouse and the practice team. Well, we'd had a frost delay, so I had to go out early Saturday morning to finish my Friday round. And I was headed to the tee, probably practice tee about 7, 7.15. I walked by the Bird's Nest, and there were a number of gentlemen passed out in the grass by that building. <laughs> they had been there all night going very hard and literally were laying in the dirt in the rocks in the grass by the bird's nest and they were trying to clean it up and there were mountains of beer cans inside this where they'd shoved them all up. My caddy and I, we had to look in there just to see Oh, what a debacle. So, <laughs> it is, that was 1991-92, gentlemen. So, it has done nothing but grow since then. And what you have there is such a unique thing, which why as golfers do we not sometimes want something different? We need something different. We need a live. We need a, a 16th hole at at that Phoenix Waste Management. We can't be the same old sticks in the mud that go around and play 18 holes in our slacks talking real quietly. No, man, we got to have some fun. So I love it. I, I think this one of my favorite terms of the year. 
Yeah, absolutely. And you bring up a great point that the competition between the PGA Tour and Liv has now made the waste management one of the elevated events. And the fact that it's an elevated event means you're going to get a great field and going to get guys like a Rory McIlroy, who has only played here one time in his career back in 2021. Um, you're going to get those guys at the waste management now, which means I think coming down the stretch, we're probably where in the in the past few years at the waste management we've seen guys like uh, Sahithi Gala trying to win on the PGA Tour for the first time I would venture to say that we might see a clash of the Titans at the top uh, at the waste management coming up on Super Bowl Sunday uh, which means that we're going to see T-Dub the 16th hole I, I think it's going to be one of the big names in the game of golf come to the 16th hole on Sunday. It's going to be rowdy as can be and playing for $3.6 million. Can those guys live up to the hype under the pressure? I mean, it's going to be really interesting to watch. It's going to be must-watch TV right before the Super Bowl. Well, and we keep talking about 16 because uh, of the, the excitement that can happen there, but at the end of the day, I think 15, the par five right before it, and 17, the whole after, will probably have more relevance when it comes to who actually wins the golf tournament than 16 does because the the, the volatility that you can have on those holes, you can make an eagle or you could do what like the Gala did last year and hit it in the pond. Uh, you can actually hit a good shot and it bounces over. So I, I think that's a fit, not just the 16th hole, but the actual finish, Woody, on this golf course, you talk about how easy is, but that 15, 16, 17 holes, a lot of stuff can happen there. And it just adds on to the excitement. And 18, too, we seem to always uh, have someone birdie the last hole or have a, a good look at birdie there to win or lose the tournament. That's a fact. And, and I'll tell you, there's a stretch there that we don't really get to see it much. You do, but you don't really pay attention because 15, 16, 17, 18 are such great finishing holes. 10, 11, 12. And they're great golf holes. 10, it's hard to get the ball in the fairway. It, it, you get it in one of the bunkers, it makes for a pretty tricky shot up onto that green. 11 is a heck of a driving hole. There's a lake left and there's desert right. It, it's pretty tough. And 12 is the best part three on the golf course, in my opinion. It is very difficult to get the ball near the hole on that hole. So we see a lot of train wrecks on 10, 11, and 12 as well as we see a lot of well, gutsy moves, for a better way of saying it, bold moves going for 15 and 2 or going for 17 on the tee shot. So it's a great golf course, guys. Yeah, it's easy, but it's perfect viewing. And then you throw 100,000 drunks in the mix, and that's really perfect viewing. So uh, nothing like Phoenix, absolutely nothing like Phoenix. Yeah, no doubt. And great point, T-Dub, on 15 and 17 because it was one of the most genius moves for the Waste Management or TPC Scottsdale to make. Uh, they were like, how do we make this boring part three any fun coming down the stretch when we have all these great holes surrounding it? They're like, let's just put a stadium around it, <laughs> guys. What a genius move. They're like, it worked. The, the most probably boring hole in the game of golf. They made literally the most exciting hole in the game of golf, guys. I do want to get to the top and the favorites. To me, the winner of this golf tournament is going to come from one of those top two spots. It's either going to be John Rahm or Rory McIlroy. And if you're in a one-and-done pool, in my opinion, you have to pick one of those two just based on the recent form. Look at Rory McIlroy. 
He won in Dubai. He finished fourth at the DP World Tour Championship. He won the CJ Cup. He finished fourth before that. He finished fourth before that. He finished tied for second before that. And by the way, he won the Tour Championship before that. Rory McIlroy is on an absolute heater right now, but I don't think he's going to beat John Rahm at his home field, which is Scottsdale, where John Rahm played his college golf not too far down the road at Arizona State. And John Rahm's recent form, even though, like, even at the Farmers, guys, even at Torrey Pines, T-Dub, when he finished tied for seventh and everyone was talking about the terrible first round and the terrible last round at, at Torrey Pines, he still finished tied for seventh. And by the way, he won the two tournaments before that. Finished tied for eighth before that. One before that. Finished tied for fourth before that. Uh, and one before that. So what I'm saying is you have two, the two best players in the world going to the waste management this weekend. And both guys not only are on heaters, but have the wins to back it up. And even on their bad weeks, they're finishing in the top 10. And the winner gets $3.6 million. I think you have to choose either John Rahm or Rory McIlroy. And I'm going John Rahm because it's on his home field this week in the one and done. Give me John Rahm at the waste management. Even though I do think that John Rahm is going to win the Masters, I have to put him in because of the recent form. I don't want to waste him. Yeah, it's an interesting conundrum because it, this is, there's not going to be, maybe the Players' Championship, I think, will probably be the only event that has a bigger purse than this. But there are going to be upwards of, what, eight to ten more elevated events that have the same purse. So it's, you would like to have one of those guys for, for those tournaments as well. So it, it's a, it's a pick-your-poison pick your type of situation. I, I do think that both of those guys are obviously going to play well. I'd be shocked if both of them aren't inside the top ten. I will say for Rom, he hasn't really been able to, to break through at this course, which is something I thought that would have happened by the time he's played here seven times. Hasn't finished worse than 16th, but, but also hasn't finished better than fifth, which I know that's not really saying much. But at the same time, you would have thought that he would have gotten himself more in contention, of course, that he loves so much. So I, I, I like the Rom pick. I'm not going to go that route. Uh, Woody mentioned him earlier. I'm going to go with Hideki Matsuyama. This is a guy who absolutely loves this course. And I've said it before, I wanted to see a little bit more form after the start of the year because he had some injuries towards the end of 2022. See how he would do. And from what I saw at Torrey, he looked really good. He gained strokes gain in every single category, finished T9th at that tournament. And, and as Woody and you guys have mentioned but before the or before about Hideki, he's won here twice. The only time he, he did not play the weekend here, he withdrew back in 2018. So just absolutely loves this place, Woody. And I'm going to go ahead and roll with Tadecki because this is just such a hard tournament to pick, to pick a winner at. I don't want to run out of big dog um, the, the fifth tournament of the year and, and regret it come uh, come a major time or one of these other, other elevated events. Well, luckily I had mentioned Hideki before you picked him so that people don't think I've become <laughs> such a slug that I just fall behind <laughs> He's my pick this week, too. And the reason I went with him I, I see him spot on, though. It is really tough not to look at Rory and John Rahm. But I've got Rory winning the Masters where you've got Rahm winning it. Say, I'm, gonna, I'm going with Hideki this week. I, I really don't – I wanted to look at Max Holmes, too, guys. I really did. But um, I'm going to go with Hideki, and I'm going to ride that along with T-Dub. Maybe we can win together, buddy. 
Unfortunately, TPC Scottsdale is not in California, so I'm not rolling with Max Homa. I think I'm going to save him for one of the majors that might be in California, but I do think he'll play good this week. Uh, speaking, one point that T-Dub made on Rom, um, yes, you're exactly right that he hasn't he hasn't ever finished better than fifth in this tournament, but like you said, has never finished worse than tied for 16th. But if you look at the stats, three different times in those tournaments, he lost strokes on the field putting. And T-Dub, I'm, I'm just looking at the stats here. His putting has looked amazing. In his last 10 events, he's only lost shots on the field putting one time um, analytically, and that was at the American Express where he won the golf tournament. Uh, so his putting is maybe the best of his career, and so I look for him to have a better putting week than he's had historically um, at the waste management. Do you have any thoughts on that, or, or do you think that John Rahm might kind of struggle on the greens again at, at the waste management? No, I feel like that is a good point. I will say this. I, I, I legitimately thought about throwing out Rahm just because uh, of the, the purse that the winner gets. But I will say this. The, the thing that's interesting about that is that the last two years, he's lost strokes game putting on these greens. And putting such a fickle thing. It's hard to really figure out why someone putted bad one week or, or not. But the fact that he's played this course so many times, you would think that he would know the greens better, better than he does. Or better than it looks like that he does at that point. So maybe there's just something about him that doesn't suit his eye. I, I'm not exactly sure. But, but once again, I wouldn't, be, I wouldn't be shocked one bit if he won this tournament. I, I'm just trying to piece together why he's played at a course seven times that he loves so much, and he hasn't been able to break through yet, being such a world-class player. Yeah, speaking of putting, guys, uh, Justin Thomas, since the U.S. Open, has only gained shots on the field putting twice. And so I, I he's kind of a guy that I would expect to be one of the favorites in a tournament like this, but we're not really talking about... Justin Thomas, and I kind of dove into the stats here, and it it does make sense because he's been struggling on the greens a little bit. Um, speaking to that, Woody, I mean, you played out there um, in the waste management or, or, you know, the Phoenix Open back in the day. I'm curious, I mean, what makes the greens out in uh, Scottsdale so kind of subtle? I know that everything kind of breaks toward the valley. At least they say that. Sometimes it doesn't. And I think that a lot of guys get kind of confused out there, right? I'll tell you, it's funny. The the valley is funny out there because there's a mountain out there called Pinnacle Peak that the balls, they say, will go at it. But one of the things that changes from the times that people play there, from whether it's summer or spring, early on, those greens are overseeded with rye, gentlemen. They're, they're that way, and so are the fairways. So when you have that mixture of that grass on those greens like that, they can be a little bit grainy, kind of. They can be a little bit difficult to putt. And then the valley that you have with the mountains around it, it is challenging. I'm telling you, it's very challenging. And and what I will say, I'm like T-Dub. I'm surprised Rom hasn't done better there because he played in Arizona his college career, and he knows a lot about the golf course. So, I don't know. Horses for courses. That's why T-Dub and I went with Hideki. And then one more guy that does have a pretty good history at TPC Scottsdale is 
Ricky Fowler. He won here back in 2019, and we've seen Ricky's recent form. He finished tied for 11th at Torrey Pines, gained over a shot and a half on the field, on the greens, and hit the irons grade as well. Is there any chance that we might see a Ricky Fowler sighting uh, late on Sunday, T-Dub? I mean, depends how late on Sunday you're talking about. Maybe <laughs> two or three, maybe, maybe four in the afternoon max. But, I mean, come on, guys. There's no – no, it's not going to happen yet. I mean, we even saw it at Torrey. He got in a little bit of contention, and as soon as he did, he, he crumbled. Because it, I get that what he's doing. He's making good changes in the golf swing, but it's going to take him time to trust those things. And he used to have a really good record at this course. He's won here, finished uh, second twice. For the last two years, he's missed a cut, and he's putted absolutely horribly here, and he hasn't driven the ball well either. So uh, I, I don't know, Woody. I know both of y'all expect uh, Ricky to win a tournament this year, but I, I am so far on the opposite side of that take. It's not even funny. So, no, I, I don't think we'll see him um, uh, in, the, in one of the – if we do see him in one of the final groups on Sunday afternoon, I, I don't think he I – don't, I don't think he'll play very well in that case. So, no, I do not think Ricky has a top 10 or top 10 – top 15. i got to be honest. I didn't know he got in the golf tournament. How did he get in the golf tournament? Is it an exemption? Did somebody get because he's a he's former winner? To, that might be how. And maybe that might be the only way. Because I got to tell you, when you said, "Hey, could Ricky Fowler play good this week?" I went, "He's not even in the tournament." I'm getting ready to call you guys. <laughs> uh, no better. I'm not gonna call you two out. Um, I yeah I think he's gonna I think I th- I still see something really good for Ricky Powell probably a win but it's not this week and it's it's gonna be a little bit uh, I think T W hit something really important there I still don't think he trusts this new golf swing totally um, I think he I think he's getting there and I think more weeks need to be under his belt before we see him win. Yeah, I probably agree with you guys, but it's a fun subject to talk about on the on the radio or the podcast. Is um, you know we always say good talking points. I do think that the Butch Harmon changes are good for Ricky Fowler, and I do think that he's headed in the right direction, and maybe he finds some magic on a course that he really likes. Um, T Dub, I think it is time. Can you please give us your DraftKings lineup for the week? I sure can. And you, you mentioned earlier just the amount of value that you can find at this tournament. I found a good amount of value in the 7,000s. I think the 8,000 range is pretty overpriced in all honesty. I think a lot of guys in the 7,000s will beat the guys in the 8,000. So I like this value I got. Uh, two guys at 7,400. Uh, the first one is Brian Harmon. Uh, I actually picked him in the one and done at the American Express where he missed the cut. But before that, he had been playing exceptionally well. And then he's played this tournament nine times, has made the cut eight out of nine. So I think that's a pretty good streak. I expect him to come back and play pretty well after that missed cut. The other guy at 7,400 is Keith Mitchell, guy who, who finished fourth last week. If uh, if he had someone putting for him on a couple of those rounds, he would have won the tournament by five or six shots. Um, his driving is superb right now, one of the best in the game, and has finished 10th and 16th here two out of the last three years. So I expect Keith Mitchell to keep that going. Going up to 7,600, this is a guy who's drastically undervalued. That's Alex Nord. He's actually six, he's ranked 18th in the analytics rating, 32nd, 37th. In the OWGR, he's just been playing exceptionally well. Finished fourth back at the Houston Open, his last PGA Tour event, but finished second and fifth his last two DP World Tour events. So he's been playing exceptionally well, and a guy who has made uh, the cut three out of three times at Scottsdale. Expect that to keep going. Uh, going all the way up to 7,800, going to go with Keegan Bradley, another guy very much like uh, Brian Harmon. Played this tournament 10 times, has made the cut eight out of 10 times, finished second at, at Torrey Pines 
So I expect him to keep his good streak at this course going, considering he's playing particularly well as well. Then two other guys who we've talked about a little bit in the show, I'm going to have my DraftKings going up to 9,800 and 10,000. Uh, Justin Thomas is a 9,800 guy, and he's played really well here the last uh, last four years, finished 8th, 13th, 3rd, and 3rd. And uh, four out of the last five years, he's putted really well at this term. I, I do agree with Sam. I am a little bit worried ab- about how his putting has been really going all the way back to the U.S. Open last year. So I am looking out for that, and that probably is what is the reason holding me back for picking him to win the tournament. But another guy who's my most expensive, who I think is probably the best value of the week, that's Xander Shoffley. Played this tournament five times, third, second, 16th, 10th, and 17th. They played exceptionally well here, finished 13th and third last two events. Really was a scare at Kapaloo when he had to withdraw, but seen a lot of good form from him since then. So feel like I got a lot of value this week, Sam. I'm pretty excited. Uh, I really like when these elevated events happen because DraftKings can, I feel like, get the prices a little bit skewed when you have so many big names in there. So it's a little bit easier to find a little bit of value, especially in the mid-7,000s like I tried to do. I like that DraftKings lineup there, T-Dub. As far as our best bets for the week, man, I, I really think that it's going to be either John Rahm or Rory McIlroy to win the golf tournament. They are the favorites at plus 800. But if you don't want to go with them, I like Xander Shoffley at plus 1600. I feel like that's pretty good value for a guy that's finished top 10 in this tournament, what, like four different times. Um, And then the guys that I don't necessarily love this week. You have guys like Colin Morikawa, who's been playing really solid golf. He's at plus 2,000. That might seem enticing, um, but he's never putted well here. I think he's only played here one time. He finished like 25th. Um, Don't love Colin Morikawa to win the golf tournament this week. And then Victor Hovland, the only two times that he's played at the Waste Management he has missed the cut. Now, he is chipping and putting a whole lot better than back then, but sometimes these guys really do have scar tissue on certain courses. If you go to a course and you've never made the cut there, it's hard for me um, to, to pick you to win the golf tournament. Uh, Ricky Fowler, we were talking about him. He's plus 6,600. Um, I like a guy, maybe like a uh, like a Taylor Montgomery, who's been playing really solid golf. You can get him at fifty five hundred, um, and then going on down the list here a little bit, plus nine thousand, you can get Aaron Wise. That is my long shot of the week. If you want to throw five bucks on somebody, I think you would throw it on Aaron Wise or a guy like Keith Mitchell at plus eight thousand. Um, those two guys seem like you know guys that would not normally have that long of odds, T-Dub. Do you have any other best bets this week? As I mentioned, I really like the Keith Mitchell pick because I have my DraftKings. I will say this about Aaron Wise. He's been playing some good golf, but has has played here three times, missed the cut twice, and his best finish is a 66. So I am a little bit cautious on that front. Well, that's why he's 90 to one. Right. So, I mean, you you are – and he's mid-7,000 range on DraftKings. So, yeah, it's all about – it's really all about the value. Um, maybe even someone like a Corey Connors in there who's such a good ball striker gets out there and, and starts playing well. Or even someone who, who the analytics really don't like a whole bunch. But what about Sam Burns? That's a guy who could just catch absolute fire at any point. So, I, I don't know. Just uh, There's a lot of faces to look out for in this tournament. Sam, I will say Sam Burns, who I just mentioned, has only made the cut here one out of four times. So, I think that's why the analytics are not very high on him. So uh, it seems like the more and more you break it down, you try to get some more value, you kind of cross off some names a little bit. So it seems like your uh, well, your top five guys win the tournament or not it seems to be uh, coming more to fruition the more that I look at it. 
Well, we will see coming up this weekend, guys. I'm super excited for the Waste Management. Like I said, Super Bowl Sunday, which is Waste Management Sunday, 10 a.m. on the Sports Animal. That's 98.1 FM, WWLS, the Sports Animal in Oklahoma City. We will be doing our 73rd hole radio show live. And so call in, text in. Um, We will be having a great time doing that. And fly, Eagles, fly, baby. Let's go Philly coming up this weekend on Super Bowl Sunday. T-Dub, who's going to win the Super Bowl? I got Philly. I like him too. I do. I don't know. Maybe Mahomes can, can bring it out, but uh, I feel like the, the Eagles are the favor. What, what's the spread now? I haven't seen the, the spread move in a while, so I'm a, interested. Pretty sure it's one and a half still. The Eagles well, okay, are favored so that's, by one uh, and a half. And the, uh, looking right now, the over and under is at uh, 50 and a half. I would probably lean towards the over in that bet. Not too sure the uh, the Eagles are minus 122. On the money line, I feel like that's, uh, yeah, you might as well just go ahead and get the minus one and a half uh, to bump that up a little bit. So I, I don't know, Woody. I feel like I'd have to go with the Eagles, but whenever you have the, uh, what is what is the better quarterback and the more experienced coach, it's uh, usually that that's the side that wins. Good point. But let's just go back to the fact that I'm one of the worst gamblers you'll ever meet in your life. Uh, so do not <laughs> go i say, I would, I would say the Eagles because of their defense. But, heck, I'm going to watch the waste management and giggle at that. I'll watch the Super Bowl. But by the time it gets really going, I probably will uh, be fat and happy and not worried about it. Speaking of gambling, guys, before we get out of here, we will know by Friday afternoon at 5 o'clock our time, I, I think our time, if Tiger Woods is going to play the Genesis of Riviera. been a lot of talking, seen some rumors that he may play. If you guys had to lay any money on it, is Tiger going to announce he's going to play Riviera or not? I'll go with Woody first. You know, I said this about a month ago. I said that's where I think he will play. So I'd be stupid now to say he's not. I I thought all along that if he came back to play a tournament, it'd be at Riviera. So, yes, I think he will commit. Man, I sure hope he does. Um, like I've said time and time again over this past year and a half or so, Tiger Woods has to play other PGA Tour events leading up to majors. He can't just play the four majors every year and expect to contend. Now, can his body physically do that? I don't think so. I think, you know, like I've said, Tiger Woods, you know, pardon the pun, but he's on his last leg, guys. It just seems like I don't think that Tiger Woods can walk a course physically for 72 holes and stay in contention I don't, I mean, yes, he might play, um, but I don't see him contending anytime soon, guys, unfortunately. But I hope we see him. It's always awesome for golf. If, if I had to bet, I'd say probably 75% chance he doesn't play, 25% he does. But I, 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 if you talk about interest, I would give anything to be able to watch him play because you're absolutely right. Sammy needs to be able to get those rounds under his belt because if we do see him at Augusta, if he hasn't played before then, I don't think there's a chance in hell that he's going to be able to so I absolutely hope that hope that he plays, but if I had to make a bet on it, I would say that he's probably not going to show up, but I sure hope I'm wrong. And Riviera, by the way, is another elevated event, right, T-Dub? I think, is Riviera an, yes, an elevated event? Yeah, it definitely is. And then, uh, looking at this list here, yeah, so it goes Century Waste Management, Genesis, and then the next elevated event after uh, Riviera will be the Arnold Palmer and then obviously the players. Um, so we have those to look forward to. But before we get to those, we'll have the waste management this weekend. This has been Sam Humphreys along with Taylor Williams and Jim Woodward here on the best 
podcast in Oklahoma. Thank you guys for following us on Twitter and Instagram at the 73rd hole and at 73rd hole. And please hit that subscribe button for us. It just helps us out absolutely free. Thank you to Kim McLeod and Chris Swafford doing a great job at golfoklahoma.org as well. Get all of your local golf news from them at golfoklahoma.org. You've been listening to the 73rd hole, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma.